You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Listen to God. And it said, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and heal their land. God gave them an out, always gave them an out. God gives us an out too. His name is Jesus Christ on a cross. That's our out. That is our out. That's our escape. Today, Pastor Dave teaches about a time when Israel was disobedient to God and were faced with tragic circumstances. But God had warned Israel long ago and gave them a way out of the suffering they were facing. If they would only turn back to God, He would pour blessings over them. Instead, they chose disobedience. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6 as he continues his message, A God Who Keeps His Covenant. What happens when we siege a city? It's like a blockade. You surround the city with all your troops. Nobody gets in, nobody gets out. You keep a close reign of everything within that city. That means that when the food supply runs out, it's gone. When the water runs out, it's gone. You have nothing left. But what happens is, usually, when this happens, you are forced to surrender. You are forced to surrender. There was a great siege back in World War II, but it failed. Great siege of Stalingrad, or Leningrad. I think it was Stalingrad. Yeah, it failed. But anyhow, this one doesn't do too well either. Except there's a siege. It was common in those days. But the siege worked because the people began to starve. And they were starving to the point of cannibalism. Starving to the point of cannibalism. Let's read 25 through 29. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? She answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son. We may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, Give me your son, that we may eat him. But she's hidden her son. This is what they were driven to. This is what they were driven to. They were driven to do horrible things. They were driven to this. They were also price gouging. Sounds like something that happens around here when we got a hurricane coming in, right? They were price gouging. They, they, were, they were taking advantage of this horrible situation by charging people exuberant amount of money. 
It successfully starved these people. It was so bad that a donkey's head or dove droppings became so expensive that only those who had all kinds of money could afford them. Sadly, these people had been warned by God that he would do this exact same thing, that he would punish them if they ignored and failed to live up to the covenant that he made with them. God keeps his covenant. He keeps it for those who do good, and he keeps it for those who do not so good. God keeps his covenant. The covenant we have now is a new covenant. We have that through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, don't we? God keeps that covenant for whoever believes upon the Lord will be saved. What happens to those who don't believe upon the Lord? God will keep his covenant. They will not experience fellowship with God for eternity. God will keep his covenant. God always keeps his covenant. Scary thought. Kind of a scary thing when you think about it, when you think about our loved ones who don't know the Lord. Kind of a scary thing. But he also told them that if they did not obey him, if they did not stop following foreign gods, or if they continued in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, that there would be a military defeat and a famine would come into their lives. Israel was experienced both. What if the king of Israel had called his people and done the things that we love to read about our country in 2 Chronicles 7, 14? What if the king would have listened to God and it said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and heal their land. God gave them an out, always gave them an out. God gives us an out too. His name is Jesus Christ on a cross. That's our out. That is our out. That's our escape. Imagine if the king had to push them in that direction. Maybe we as a nation here in the United States need to take heed of this as well. But the people were not only reducing to eating donkey heads and dove droppings, but they had to pay great money for them. But worst of all, they began eating their children. They were turning to cannibalism. And this shows you how terrible the famine was. Mothers were so hungry that they were eating their own children. You don't think God has everything under control? I mean, listen to this. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. I've said this a billion times. But in Deuteronomy 28, it contains an extended section where God warned Israel about the curses that would come upon them if they rejected his covenant. He had made this covenant with them. And in this chapter, it's described horribles. Let me quote from Deuteronomy 28, verses 52 and 53. Listen to what it says. Quote, they shall besiege you at your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all the land. And they shall besiege you at your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord God has given you. Here it comes. You shall eat the fruit of your own body the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. That wasn't written in Deuteronomy. A couple thousand years before, that was written in Deuteronomy that God had told them 
had told Moses to write this down, that this was going to happen. So this was foretold. This was a prophecy coming true. They had left the Lord God. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. These terrorists came upon Israel because they disobeyed, they rejected God, and they abandoned the covenant that God had made with him. The psalmist says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. This situation that we're studying right now couldn't be more appropriate for what's happening in our world today. This could not be more appropriate for what's happening in our world today. We are a nation that needs to escape the wrath of God because of all the children that we've killed in abortions. We've allowed millions upon millions upon millions of children to die. No, we haven't eaten them, I don't think, but they have died nevertheless. And I think God is going to hold this nation responsible. I just think God is going to hold this nation responsible for allowing that to happen. Because he will not be mocked. What a man reaps, that which he will sow. I believe what a nation reaps, that's what they will sow too. But the king now, back in chapter 6 of Second Kings, the king's angry. Well, I would be angry too. The king's angry at this kind of stuff happening in his kingdom. He doesn't know what to do with himself. But his anger is misplaced. Let's look at verse 30. Now it happened when the king heard these words of the woman that he tore his clothes as he passed by on the wall and people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. When you tear your clothes, you put sackcloth and ashes on your body. It's a sign of great sorrow. But it's also a sign of what else? Repentance. It's also a sign of repentance. He wasn't repentant. He was not repentant. He was not repenting towards God. He was not teaching of God. The king was so appalled by the situation and how bad it flowed. He tore his clothes publicly. This wasn't a sign. It was an evidence of his anger towards God. He was mad at God for doing this. Even though, if you really want to get down right to it, he was responsible for allowing the nation to worship Baal. He was their leader. They had killed off all the prophets. Remember when Jezebel ruled? They were killing off all the prophets of Jehovah God? They were getting rid of them? Remember Elijah thought, I'm all by myself. Oh, woe is me. And God said, yeah, hang on in there, buddy. I got 700 of those guys around. But they were killing them off. They were trying to get rid of them. It's always good to blame someone else when you're, own, when you're doing wrong. Always works to blame somebody else. I can never do wrong because it's always your fault. But that's how we look. We can never take responsibility for our own actions. And that's what true repentance is. True repentance is taking responsibility for that which you have done. Confessing it before the Lord on your face and asking for his forgiveness. That's true repentance. And then, and then changing your ways. Because the word repent means change. Doesn't do you any good to fall on your face before our God and confess your sins and then turn around five minutes later and do the same thing again. God keeps his covenant. God keeps his covenant. Can't be running around going, the devil made me do it. 
That doesn't work. They had it out for me. They were after me. Well, that might have been. What did you do? You can never take the blame for some reason. King tore his robe and exposed the fact that he had sackcloth, which is a sign of submission, a sign of grief and humiliation. But he wasn't in humility. He, was, he wasn't humble. He was angry at God. He didn't take responsibility for this calamity. False humility is a dangerous thing. False humility is an extremely dangerous thing. Why? Because the Lord knows your heart. The Lord knows your heart at all times. So the king shows a repentive heart. Looking around, he says, man, it's got to be the God and it's got to be Elisha. He's our problem. It's that Elisha guy. Yeah, he's the one. Look at verse 31. Then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Yeah, it's not me, it's Elijah. It's not, yeah. A scapegoat, Elisha. Elisha. Interesting that if you go back and you read, it's the same oath that Jezebel used when she was after Elijah. The exact same words. The exact same words. So it's like he's using the words of his mother, Jezebel, when he's coming against Elisha. Shows total hate. What did Jesus say? They hated me. They're going to hate you. Anyone who carries the word of God and stands up for righteousness will be hated. Anybody who carries the word of God in their word, in their deeds, will be hated. Now, to what extent? That remains to be seen. But if you go into some of those foreign countries, that hate is pretty strong. Those people are being killed. Those people are losing their heads literally for Jesus Christ. I love Elisha. Man, if there had bonbons during this time, he'd be one sitting in a hammock eating bonbons. He wasn't worried at all. I just love this guy. These guys are so cool. Look at 30. Look at 32. But Elisha was sitting in his house. <laughs> He's sitting in his house where the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet far behind him? <laughs> I love this. Don't let him in. Lock him out. Let him wait a while because the king's coming. I know the king's not too far behind. I love this guy. The Lord always told Elisha everything that was happening. He was giving him word of knowledge after word of knowledge after word of wisdom. He was constantly sharing him and showing him. And that's what happens to you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you have these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives you. You know these things. The king sends a messenger to arrest Elisha. He says, shut the door. The king's on the way. From day one, Elisha made it quite known that he did not accept the king's authority. Does anybody remember why he didn't accept the king's authority? What makes a true king of Israel, the nation? What makes a true king? From what line must you descend? David. Elisha made it clear way back in 2 Kings 3.14 that he didn't recognize the authority of any of the kings of the northern kingdom. 
because they did not descend from David. They did not come from him. Plus, Joram was the son of Ahab the murderer. And his wife Jezebel had killed the prophets who opposed Baal back in 1 Kings 18. Elisha wants the old elders to hold the door shut, and both men are there. And then in 33 we read, And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why shall I wait for the Lord any longer? It's really interesting that the king has this hot temper. And instead of repenting of his sin, he acknowledged that the misery came from the Lord. Yeah, the Lord sent this. Again, Deuteronomy 30, there's a provision for the covenant of God that allows for confession and forgiveness. There's a provision in the new covenant of God that allows for confession and forgiveness. There is a, a way here. If only the king would have led his people the right way. And that's your leadership's responsibility, folks. It's the leadership of this church's responsibility to lead everyone who comes here the right way into the arms of God, into the arms of God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what our responsibility is. That's why we teach the word. That's why we teach it line by line, verse upon verse, so you will know the counsel of God and you will walk in that counsel. And so your faith will grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. This is why we do this. It's our responsibility. And believe me, people, believe me when I tell you this. Those who teach from this pulpit or any place else in this church, those who teach, even over at Manor, even over at Commons, Conifer, wherever taught teaching is happening, those who do will be held to a higher standard. That's biblical. You can look that up. Woe be it to anyone who stands in this podium and teaches you the wrong way. Heaven forbid. That is the one fear I have every time I come up here. Now I know I will make mistakes. Now I know I might even misspeak every now and then according to some of the scriptures that I read. But it's not my intent to lead you astray. My job is to lead you to the foot of the cross and then you need to seek Jesus from there. That's what we get when we read the Bible. That's what needs to happen. But this king did not do that. This king refused to do that. All the kings of the northern kingdom would not do that. They were very, very wicked. One was more wicked than the other. Every time you read it, this one was more wicked than that king. This one, that one. They were wicked. The Lord will always keep his covenant with his people. Blessings or cursings, life or death, you have a choice. You have a choice. And then when we get to chapter 7, we begin in verses 1 and 2. Let's read those. The Lord keeps his promise. Listen to this. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a saya of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two sayers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Whoa. Whoa. Joram wanting something to happen immediately. 
He was done with these people killing their kids and eating them. He was done with this whole mess. He knew only the Lord could do it, but he also knew that Elisha was come one more responsible because he was teaching the word of God. So he wanted Elisha down. Elisha said, tomorrow about this time, something was going to happen. Food was going to be available at a very, very cheap price. All the inflationary prices would drop. The flour, all people, barley for the animals. The Lord was showing great mercy and grace towards his children once again. He was pouring out his mercy and grace towards all these people. They hadn't changed. They hadn't repented. But the Lord always keeps his covenant even when we're faithless. Always keeps his covenant even when we're One officer failed to believe the promise of God. It's interesting that one of the commentaries I read, and one of the things I studied here, was he, if he asking food to pour down from heaven, like the rain in the days of Noah in chapter 7 of Genesis, because in chapter 7 of Genesis, the word windows is translated floodgates. Would it come down? No, it's going to come a different way. The Lord always provides a different way. To the humble heart that is open, the word of God generates faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. To the heart that is open to receive, but to the proud, to the self-centered, the word of God will make your heart harder. It will make your heart harder. When the city awakens the next morning, there's going to be new life. But for one officer who didn't believe, there would be death. Believe. Have faith. Life. Don't believe. Death. Your choice. When we believe the promises of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we get new life. We come from death to life. For we were yet dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Jesus Christ. God keeps his covenant. will always keep his covenant. And you can always see how gracious and merciful of those he loves he knew that the people were following falsely. He knew that they were being led astray. And he loved them incredibly. He loved his own people. Israel is still the apple of his eye. They are the apple of his eye. And he loves them. And God loves the world. The whole world. Jesus went to the cross for the entire world. That those who would believe would not perish, the scripture says, but have everlasting life. Amen? So, lots to pray about. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. 
Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from Second Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope.